What's up, guys? I'm Ashley Gavin. I'm a comedian, and you might know me from my very viral videos of me yelling at hecklers on TikTok, but I am also the host of the award-winning podcast, We're Having Gay Sex. And if you're straight and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't for me, stay right here. We're actually going to tell you what lesbian sex is. Is scissoring real? You'll find out. So pause this pod right now, head over to We're Having Gay Sex, hit subscribe, okay? Because you're going to be able to answer all of those questions that you can't ask your gay friend because you're afraid of getting canceled. Every week we have a celebrity on the show like Kevin McHale from Glee or Francesca Farago from Too Hot to Handle or even straight people like Hannah Burner, and we ask them if they've had gay sex this week, even if they're straight, and we get to watch them squirm. So if you're queer and you're looking to hear about some raunchy, hilarious sex stories or if you're straight, and you're wondering about that weird dream that you had, go follow We're Having Gay Sex on Spotify or wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss out on new episodes. Welcome. Welcome. A special episode of Bob Saget's here for you. That's my name. And Dave Coulier, Joey from Full House, is about to be on. And this is not for kids. This has got adult stuff in it. It's not Danny and Joey. What you're about to hear is not Danny and Joey. It is Dave Coulier and me, and we've known each other since he was 18 and I was 21 or 22. So we have stories that are graphic, and at the very, very end, I'm just telling you, he's probably going to crap his pants, for real. That's what's going to (laughs) happen. I'm not kidding. This is a very long episode, because we've known each other for a very long time, 40 years. So uh, do what you do with this uh, podcast, you know, rate, review, subscribe, uh, call that number sometimes because I'll be calling you guys. And that's a special episode, and I'll announce it on Twitter or Instagram stories or Facebook when I'll be calling you guys. And then please leave a message, and I will try to call you on days that I announce it. Uh, so here we go with a very talented guy, incredibly talented, and my brother, truly my brother. And you'll know why as soon as we start talking. Uh, here comes my friend Dave Coulier. Hi, Dave. It's your husband. <laughs> I've missed. I've missed you. <laughs> I miss. I really miss you. Uh, I miss you too. We haven't seen each other in a long time. It's not right. I don't know why we haven't seen each other. I mean, what's up? <laughs> Have you? Are you Anne Frank? Are you in the attic? Yes. I, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the. I'm in an attic right now where I store all my. Uh, Apparently, all my full house props. Well, there's two wood trucks in the room, and I don't think anybody has ever seen them together. Well, that one over there, that's the original one from Full House, but my dog ate his face one day, and I came home, and he had no face. That one behind me, that's the one when you and I and John did Jimmy Fallon, right. and Jimmy gave me that woodchuck. That's amazing. I like the eating of the face one, because you know how I felt about Woodchuck. Not, I love you, but Woodchuck was something that I don't know why, but it always irritated me, and that made it you want to do you. made you want to do him more. I think I enhanced your Woodchuckery. I did you hate the voice, or you just hated the character, or both? It was just so cute. Uh, my and I, I like cute things too, but I don't know. It just kind of. Oh, you've seen my wiener. Ah, That's right. You what do you? What, what do you? What you're asking me if I seen your wiener? This is going to be a very long podcast. Have I seen your wiener? And two hours later, uh, have I seen it? I've got pictures. 
No, actually, I burned them. <laughs> now people know there's pictures. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about that. Why not? Um, All right. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what could happen. So first thing, uh, uh, where you, tell people where you're living because we're not. It's not just the two of us, though. We feel it is. So that's what's the beauty of this. I uh, I moved back home about a year and a half ago here with, in with Michigan. Your dad? My dad is about five miles away. He turned 90 two weeks ago. Wow. And all he does is make dying and death jokes. He's in the same house. <laughs> he's in the same house that you stayed in when you, when you were doing stand-up here at the Comedy Castle. You stayed in my old bedroom. I, I stayed in the basement, which you turned into basically like the, the basement in Full House. It kind of is like that. It, it's... Or, yeah, it was kind of that across of the basement and the guy of Silence of the Lambs. It was like that. Your dad rubbed the lotion on his skin and did what he was told. Oh, is she a really big fat girl? <laughs> Precious. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, that's a nice so film for kids. Yeah, the joke is my dad's still in the same house where I was born. In fact, he's still in the same chair. <laughs> so I saw your dad in pictures moving. <laughs> so let's well, I, uh, we have to explain to, go ahead sorry he makes tons of dying and uh, death jokes and so uh <laughs> we were over there about two weeks before his 90th birthday and i said dad how about if we just do a little backyard barbecue here at the house and he goes oh that's great but don't invite anybody <laughs> and i said not even your two last living siblings uncle don and, and and aunt pat and he goes oh dave why do i want to see them i talk to them every week <laughs> and so then he said just make sure when we do this it's in the morning because i might not be around by the afternoon <laughs> oh god oh man <laughs> i now, know that's so, all he does so quarantine hasn't really changed his life no, he said he's been quarantining and social distancing for the last 25 years. I think more. <laughs> so let's let's go back yeah. in time real quick, just because people, there. I mean, some people might not know this, but we know each other since you were how old? How old did I tell Eight, the police officer? 18. Um, <laughs> 18. <laughs> you were 18. You told him I was 18. That's yeah. what I said. Yeah, I, I brought yeah. a fake ID for you to fill out. And then yeah. I was, that would have made me 22, I think. How old are you now? I just turned 61 a couple uh, weeks so ago. I'm, yeah, so I'm three years. So, Do the math. Yes, yeah, so uh, I met you at a place called the Delta Lady, and you were on a comedy store tour with Fred Raker and Jeff DeHart. That's right. And, and I had only been on stage at that club uh, for six minutes the week before. And um, I, I really hadn't been around stand-ups very much. And you guys came in and blew the room away. And you were so funny and so professional that I just, it, uh, it, it inspired me. It gave me the, the That's kick That's not in true, the is it? Because you were working with. Oh, totally. But you were totally, coming up yeah. in Detroit with Tim Allen and, um, well, Mark Sandrowski. I didn't meet Tim. I didn't meet Tim till after that. Oh. I met Tim at the Comedy Castle because Tim wasn't performing at the Delta Lady, but you guys came into there. It was it was comedy night, and uh, you guys blew the room away, all three of you, and I just thought, wow, that's where I want to be. I want to be as good as those guys. 
um, and, and polished and funny. And you were talking to the audience, which I'd never seen comedians really do that well. And you talk to the audience and, and, and I just thought, wow, this guy, this is where I want to be. And then afterwards, what a mistake! I don't know if you what a remember. huge mistake you made. <laughs> <laughs> and then afterwards, we were standing at the bar, and I wasn't old enough to be in that club. And and so, well, you know uh, me from a very young age. I was saying, ah, you're you're old enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bring him a shot. Here's your ID. Here's your ID. Fill it out. I got a laminating kit. All the guys. <laughs> give it to all the guys. Get in the car. <laughs> and you gave me your Are number. Those stretch and you said, pants. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> those come off really fast is there a quick release button on those i don't like so, jeans with the buttons <laughs> <laughs> so you gave me your number and you said when you're in la give me a call and i kept that piece of paper and i called you when i was in la wasn't that mike binder that that first how did i know to go to the delta lady because mike binder was i met mike when he was 17 You've been friends with Mike. How did you meet Mike? I hadn't met Mike yet. I'm your first. I am you I first. Your, am I your first man friend? I met you. I met you first <laughs> uh, uh, before Mike, before Tim Allen. I had, like I said, I had only done six minutes the week prior. I was a newbie. I was just starting out. I had only done stand up in high school and a couple of new talent nights around Detroit. Do you know that I never knew this? We've known each other. For 40 I've years. It, I've been saving it for when I, I, you know, when Bob gets a talk show, that's what I'm going to save all this stuff. Well, I still for. don't have one, but I have a podcast. <laughs> I'm failing upward. So, so yeah. So, uh, so that was a really important pivotal part in, in my life was meeting you, you know, and I, um, I guess we just have never really talked about it. That's so weird. Cause I just, I don't know how I got to the Delta lady. Um, I literally don't know how I got there. I mean, I don't know if I took a cab or rented a car. I know if I rented a car, I wouldn't let Jeff or Fred drive because I'm a control freak. So, and <laughs> Jeff DeHart. Hi, Jeff DeHart. He's going to listen to this. I know. That's my Jeff impression. He's an impressionist. He's He'll a sweetheart. That. He's a sweetheart. And Fred's a very funny, nice guy. Lives in San Francisco and. I don't even, I say praying more than I ever did, but all the people up there with all that horrible smoke and God, the world's like nuts. So does it make you, it is. Does it, it's crazy. It's, it's, and I don't even want to talk about it because we're exhausted talking about it, right? I'm exhausted from it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm back here, back home where I grew up and uh, we're experiencing fall right now. So the leaves are all changing colors. I'm on Lake St. Clair, which is the lake I grew up on. It's beautiful, and um, my wife Melissa was just out there. Uh, oh, she you has have a, a wife? company. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I know. I've been saving that too. Oh God, that's that's the wedding I went to. <laughs> that's where I ate pulled pork. Pulled yeah, she pork. Ate pulled All pork. you had at your wedding, it was so beautiful. It's uh, I loved it so much, and it was you were so proud. It was all fart food. Now people need to know that you are farts are like basically your core. It starts with farts, and then it goes to amazing yeah. impressions at your, at your roots when you were young, young, young. I'm farting on my roots right now. <laughs> did, you, uh, <laughs> did you dye your butt hair? Yeah, I do. I try to every week just to stay young. <laughs> my butt hair is dying. 
with every fart, I lose a hair. But an angel gets its shit. Um, here's a question for you. So high school, you were in talent shows. I saw pictures, right? You were on stage somewhere, right? Well, I, I met Mark Sandrowski when we were eight years old in third grade. And his brother? Uh, well, I met his brother, you know, early on. What's his you know, brother's fifth name? Fifth or sixth grade. Uh, his, he has two brothers. One is a super hockey player, and one is um, a photographer. Also, he was a comedian. Well, what are their names? Uh, is his Dwight. name super? Dwight, I remember. They were a comedy team. Dwight. And Mark, for yes. people that don't know, was director of The Big Bang, and now he's mom, and he's he did Full Houses. He's an amazing, amazing television director. You, and, he and I have been friends since third grade. Third and grade. so he and was my partner in Dwight time. also? I didn't know Dwight until later when I went to Mark's house and Dwight and Gary, his brothers, were there. That, and and Gary is a super hockey player? Gary is a super hockey I'm player. I'm finding yeah. out all this shit I don't know about you. I can't believe yeah. I've known you my whole life. You're my brother. And, um, and I never knew any of this. So, okay, third grade. Were you doing comedy with Mark then? Mark was drawing on his uh, his notebook, his school notebook, and I had to go up to the front of the class to get my paper from the teacher. And when I walked by, I saw he had drawn all these weird little Martian heads. And I stopped on the way back, and I said, what are you drawing? He goes, Martian heads. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to be friends with this kid. Right. And so we were friends. So we started writing music and drawing cartoons and uh, – we created Jimmy Booger, which I... Jimmy Booger is a cartoon, you know, comic book thing. He's a cartoon, yes. And so we hey, just By the way, he is a, he's, a, he's a piece of snot. He is actually a, a booger that he's a, ha yeah. has a life and friends. Yes, he lives in Nova Scotia. Right. With his mom, who was, um, who was one of the snotettes at Radio City Mucus Hall. You know, I never knew she made it that big. She was, yeah, she, and he's, he's uh, being raised by a single mom and he wants to be in show business. And that's the, the adventures of Jimmy Booger. What is he, does he have a big, Mark and I, go ahead. Sorry. I wanted to, yeah. I wanted to know more about him. <laughs> is he a, does he hang it's all Booger jokes? Yeah, I know. Does he it's hang on the wings? Is, did he ever get picked to be uh, in the show? Uh, he was in the summer stock production of gone with the sneeze. I see. You have an answer so, for any question booger related for Jimmy absolutely. Booger. Absolutely. Right. Uh, or farts. I have, yeah, I farts. Have lots when did when did you find that now people don't know and everybody asks you to do this and some people don't enjoy a fart joke. I unfortunately can't stop myself. And whenever <laughs> I tweet a fart joke, there is no response. I hear crickets on just yeah. from a tweet. But you have a you have a gift. Um you can fart on cue. You could actually Crank your body and make air come out of your ass. Well, it's not that simple for me, but I do <laughs> fart impressions. I, I can do hand fart impressions. Right, but not uh, when you haven't. For some reason, you always pissed me off because you would say, I haven't shaved, so I can't do the fart impression, and I just don't uh, buy it. I you, can today. I, I could today. Could you, know, you just, do, could just, just do a general fart to, to let people hear? Yeah. That's a general fart. Um, How's the, is the sound good? I it's usually actually, test the sound. It's with amazing. That. <laughs> I mean, I think that that mic's gonna melt. Um, 
<laughs> What's the what I always laughed at forever? Because you're one of the funniest people, and I've ever known, and you can make me cry. When what got us through a show that is beloved by a lot of people uh, forever, and and actually helped make John and I really good friends. Because the first couple of years, John and I were, you know, he was a womanizing teen idol, tra- a trained actor, and I was a, a comedian, a Jewish neurotic married guy. And he and so uh, the cu- first couple of years, we weren't besties, and now it's like, you know, it's, it's the same as us. But you brought us together. And I think farts, fart sounds. And be, the problem with you is that you actually do fart on a soundstage <laughs> with children that are level with your ass. And you farted. Yeah, John always says that I stunt. I was the one who stunted the Olsen twins' growth. Well, but they're they're normal height now. <laughs> but it was subjective. I don't think that was the healthiest for any of us to inhale. No one's. We called it foul house because you would fart and we would leave. We all would leave and they wouldn't. We wouldn't go back into the set. And these were kids. You did this with kids. Yeah. You have to. <laughs> Who else? Because it is natural. Yeah. It is part of everyone. It's one of the first thing a baby does. I would wait. I would wait for the right moment, though, when there was a real serious scene and uh, we had to put our serious face on and then I would fart and make everybody laugh because I just, uh, I, I'm just immature. I loved it. But I also hated it because it was really difficult for me to focus, you know, especially if I had like a monologue where I was saying something. And then right in the middle of it, you would just, you basically, I think, crap your pants. I think several <laughs> times. Um, there was that one. I never crapped my pants. I, I always had a filter. Uh, I don't think so. Because I remember you took off your underwear. You, you, I think you sharded. And you took off your underwear because it had a stripe in it of shit. And you threw it uh, at stage 24 on top of uh, the other building that was there, the other in, inside the studio. and Yeah, on top of the dressing room. Yeah, so somebody found that. Some poor Yeah, because it wasn't there when, when we went no, back we on the same stage. No, we looked for it. We looked for yes. it. That was the reason you guys did Fuller House. We were looking for Dave's underpants that had been sharded. <laughs> That's right. It, there were there was a lot of underpants humor. You used to come into my dressing room and, with your eight by ten, and you would show me your eight by ten. You'd say, and you'd shut the door, and you'd say, "You see this?" And I'm like, "Yes." And you go, "You see this?" And you'd pull your pants down, and you would take the face of your eight by ten and wipe your ass with the face on your eight by ten, and go, "See that?" And then you'd throw it down, crumple it up, throw it down, and you'd walk out. But I was angry because there was no, nothing on it. I, did, I, then, I had a clean uh, butthole. So I would go, yeah. nothing, nothing. Because nothing. all I wanted nothing. to do, I hated my image so much yeah. that the, the full house 8 by 10 I wanted to wipe my ass with it because I was so self-loathing. <laughs> and yes. I had just done a scene that was heartwarming. And then I would go up to my dressing room and wipe my ass for nothing. There was nothing there. So I wasted an eight by ten. Yes. Or you would do your 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 other bit that you would do that always made everyone laugh 
was you would you would look for either butter or sour cream or cream cheese, or anything that was white. Oh, oh, that and, one, that one. And you'd smear white all around your lips, and then you'd turn to everybody and go, I got the job. <laughs> you guys, I don't know how, but I, I got the job. Every, every comedian I've done that at a restaurant with has taken it. And I don't think I get any credit. I would take a, a non-dairy creamer in a restaurant, swallow it, and then spit it out, and white cream would come out of my mouth. I got the job. The, the whole point is to be really excited. Because I, I, I did. I met this producer, and he really likes me. And it's just like dripping out. <laughs> it's just the, the sheer... Um, well, it's kind of like the aristocrats, you know, they just, they'll do anything to get yeah. in showbiz and that's the premise. Yeah. yeah. Well, you and I have that lowest common denominator sense of humor where we know <laughs> how to make each other laugh like that. And that's because we haven't had easy lives either. We've had some, some tough stuff happen to us, yeah. but we would always laugh at it because there's nothing else you can really do. You saved me a lot. I mean, when I, I mean, you, we've known each other so long. I mean, you were an usher in my wedding to my uh, first wife, Sherry. And I slept on your couch. You did? Uh, with I was between apartments, and uh, you went on the road, and you had a brand new red Toyota Celica. And you said, Dave, you can sleep on my couch, and while I'm on the road, just use my car. And I thought, Either this is the nicest guy in the world, or he's going to try to the biggest me. idiot, or he's going to try to he's going to rape me. My <laughs> life. Well, Mike Binder was a mutual friend at that time when you moved yeah. to L.A., and Mike was like the first comedian I ever saw when I came to L.A. I had flown out because I won that Student Academy Award, and I went to the Comedy Store and I saw Mike. And I went, man, I'd like to do this. And I got up and did my audition with my guitar because I was a guitar act only. And Mitzi said, I was going to go to grad school at USC. Don't go to grad school. Stay here. <laughs> uh, you, Don't get an education. You belong here. <laughs> and you know what? I think she was right because I, I, I quit after three days at USC film grad school. So I would have been a great filmmaker by now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I emceed for eight years at the comedy store. But I, I got to meet all the people that you got to meet that we uh, loved. Well, there was a brotherhood, you know. There, there, and a there sisterhood. Was a really and a sisterhood, you know, and just and, some hoods. When you, uh, that's true. What that was a whole different part. Of I had lives. mine clipped because I was born <laughs> in a Jewish hospital. And so, with Mike, that connection with Mike, uh, it's kind of strange. Uh, we're on the Showtime Comedy Store uh, documentary that Mike, that Mike directed and, and directed and, and produced. produced. And, uh, and it's tonight. It starts tonight on Showtime. I don't, I'm not sure when this is. This will be running. It's not running tonight. <laughs> but it's, it's on right now, though. People can see yeah. it right now. But now they know when we recorded yeah. it. They'll be able to set the Wayback Machine, as you would say, yes. from Sherman well, and Peabody. Sherman. Can you do Sherman yes. and Peabody just for me? Well, Sherman. Where to today, Mr. Peabody? Well, Sherman set the Wayback Machine for 1492. Yes, that that was part oh, of my see, act. See to me, this is the perfect form for your entire old act. This is like because <laughs> this is you and me talking, and what you would get pissed off with John 
and me or I, I don't know words, but we would always say, we'll all do this. And you go, I'm not your comedy jukebox. And then you would do it. <laughs> you, would do, you would do all our requests. You go, okay. I, all right, I'll do it. And a lot of the well, stuff you did, you guys laugh. a lot of the stuff you did is just so not PC now. It's just no, uh, no, no, no. Um, yeah. Well, I would just go off and I knew how to push your buttons because I know you so well. And I know if I just do a certain thing, it's going to make you just go into immature land with me. That's the and thing. And then John, the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I can just, he'll say, do, do this, you know, um, you know, like, like, uh, cut a fart and, and kill yourself. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, I'll do that. And we would yeah. cut ourselves open. I, I would do, um, people don't understand that. That, that. We didn't, literally, we mimed it. Um, and I would do the theme from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And you would go, well, well, how did you cue me on that for me to do that? I would just start singing the song and it would just, you would go into action. So but it was, it started. And then I would which is I would cut open my chest like a cereal box, like the little ones, the Kellogg's little ones. <laughs> yes. And you'd go down the middle and then do the two up and down. And then I'd open my chest up and then it was Raiders of the Lost Guts, I think was one of our. Yes. So people and don't understand. Started, this is a play group thing we did. <laughs> well, it started during our note sessions for full house that I couldn't sit through. No, you couldn't, you couldn't focus that. Well, long. the note was always Bob. Can you be a cheerleader? In this scene, yeah. I'm like, well, that's an action. That's not a note. So we would get bored <laughs> during our full house and notes. We'd write dicks. We'd producers. write penises on all the strips. Well, that was you. That was oh, you. that was you me. Always, that was you. You would always write a pen. You would always draw a penis on my script. Um, and it was usually when I had something serious coming up in the script because you were doing to it to me during page. taping. You would literally completely yeah. bone me while we're taping i just did it in like a yeah. script read or during you know if we're at the table i would definitely i did it to scott weinger on fuller house when i was sitting next to him all i would do is just draw penises right on his <laughs> his important dj you know i really want to i think we should be together dj and i would just every page he would turn the page i'd draw another dick and he turned it this is just this is two years ago <laughs> no it's last year yeah this is yeah Wait, it was yesterday. Hold on a second. Hold on, it's this morning. Yeah, we, Hold on, Scott's right here. Look, I've got him below frame. Our, our operating system to make each other laugh has not changed. From the moment I met you, Thank God. we discovered, I discovered, oh my God, this guy is, is like me. I can just do the stupidest stuff from my idiot treasure trove that I have, and he's going to laugh at it. And oddly, uh, Dave, I think one of the secrets of the show was they cast it really well. And they somehow, the stuff that it's always they say in between the lines, because you can't just say that, that a full, all the dialogue is like, you know, it's not made for grownups, but it was because I think they could tell that there was a playfulness that we had. And if you're yeah. watching the show and watching us in the background, like with our pants down or or tap dancing when we had to tap dance. <laughs> when we had to tap dance, we did that one. And we couldn't look at the camera. They never got that. And they never got the one line where 
you and I had to look at each other. Yeah. And we were in the we were in the set with the pink bunnies on the wall, and we had to look at was each other. Was it Jesse's say, room? Was it Jesse the one? Jesse ran away from. Yes. It was Jesse Jesse's room. And, yeah. The line, say it again. I keep interrupting you. The line was Jesse ran away from home, and you and I never got that take. But because you, we did laughed you say so it? hard. Did I, was I supposed to say Jesse ran away from home? I I. I'm not sure who it was, whether it was you or I. Well, but one of us had to say Jesse ran away it was from me. home. It and- was me because I couldn't say <laughs> it. Because what what adult says that? I mean, Rain yeah. Man. But I mean, who else would say that? <laughs> With all due respect, um, you know. And Jeff Franklin was very upset with me, um, and that almost got me to say it because I got really serious because I didn't want to upset him, but I couldn't say it. I couldn't look at your face. Joel's wick was directing that episode. Right. And I still remember that moment so clearly. And we never got the take. Did he we resort to screaming at me also? <clears throat> we came down. He was second. Both of you. I asked for actors and I get comedians. What the, neither one of you could act your way out of a paper bag. And that's going to get me serious. That, say the line. That's really, yeah. that's really helps you with your acting. <laughs> Yeah, you, <laughs> a little you got Gallagher Gallagher Jr. <laughs> had sex with a crab. <laughs> <laughs> I got turtles in bags. <laughs> to his service, he had a set with everything you're not supposed to work with as an actor. We had everything yeah. possible, all the formulas. It would be babies and elderly people and every animal. I remember having a goat. And I was sitting there and the goat shit on the side of a bucket and I'm sitting there and there's a turd, like a lime in a, in a, in a bloody Mary, just on the side of the glass. And they're saying action, Bob. I said, there's a, sh- I can't, there's, there's crap. There's crap. And then I would get in trouble. You know, everybody would like yell at us, me especially. Yeah. And then pepper mill, pepper mill, the, the, uh, the giant, uh, donkey. He just got, we called him Peppermill. I talked about yeah. it in my stand-up. People love it. They love it. Because his real name was Eeyore, which was very creative of his uh, handlers. But I think he was out of his element, and the air conditioning was blowing, and it, it just hit his uh, penis, and it got very large in front of the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And then we laughed, and then the kids started laughing because they saw what we were looking at, but we tried not to look at it. That that didn't go yeah, well. Yeah, we tried really hard but I, not but to I look at it. But I do think, even though I got scolded a lot, more than anyone, for my irreverence, um, especially a couple times that I wrote about in that book I wrote, Dirty Daddy, but... You know, and then people put it in a tabloid now. Like, it's, no, but that's just from my book. You know, it's like, but Bob did this. No, yeah, I know. I wrote that. So uh, yeah, that's my diary. But, um, and then it took a crap. The donkey took a crap. It's like, I got yeah. an erection, and then it took a crap. So we're like, we had a lot of actors do that over the years. <laughs> Mickey Rooney, may he rest in peace. Yes. Yes, John. But, John uh, took a liking to Mickey Rooney. It was like his his friend, his pet friend, because of Liza Minnelli and Judy Garland. Yeah, he wanted to know everything. Yes, John's very wonderful and old school that way. He has such reverence 
for, and I do too, but I have more now. I did for all the comedy people and all the actors I loved, like Jimmy Stewart, I loved at five years old, you know, and Donna Reed, I wanted to marry, you know, um, but, but um, and now, no, I've got a wife. I love her. Uh, Donna Reed have you, is not alive. You And you've gotten to meet like, like all your heroes, like a lot of your heroes. You have too, I Larry think. Larry Fine. Larry Fine from the Three Stooges. I met him when you I was know, 14, I mean, 15, and, Rod- he, and he, I didn't try to rip his hair out. Yeah, <laughs> Rodney. Rodney. You became friends with Rodney. There's a picture behind me of Rodney and uh, Red Fox. In 1929, the Shane family opened our first jewelry store. Even then, we were intent on being different. We wanted to be more than a jeweler. We wanted to be a friend. Our intentions haven't changed. When you visit Shane Company, you're treated like a friend. And your purchases come with the best warranty in the industry. You can be assured we'll always be here for you. Most jewelers will charge you for their warranty. Our warranty is free for a lifetime and even covers the center stone. We're able to offer you an unparalleled warranty because of the quality of our jewelry. Whether it's an engagement ring, a wedding band, a stunning necklace, earrings, or a bracelet, the structure and design of our jewelry ensures it will last a lifetime because that's what a friend would do. Now you have a friend in the jewelry business. Shane Company and Shaneco.com. Jeremy Kramer, a friend of mine, kind of the, when you would talk to Robin Williams, we know too many dead people is the problem. And Robin was the holy grail of, uh, of one of the best people. Um, and I remember when I first met him, he had seen you and me the same night at the comedy store. And you had just come to town. And he'd already tried to figure me out. You know, he said, so your mother's Gumby and your father's Pokey and you're Mr. Potato Head? I don't do good impressions of him. You do. And I went, yeah. He went, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then he He came up to me, uh, saw my set, and Argus said, hey, Robin's here. Robin's here. He wants to talk to you. Yep. And then I walked off stage from the original room and went down in the hallway, and Robin was there, and he saw me. He started going, oh, oh. And then he went into this old man character and started talking to me. He said, come walk with me, son, walk with me. And he took me back to the bar, the table back by the bar, which is still there. And he sat and he talked to me for about a half hour. And I thought, this is the biggest comedy star on the planet. And he's talking to a 20-year-old, you know, and giving me encouragement. And I thought, I never forgot that. I thought, wow, what an incredible thing for a young comedian to experience the biggest comedy star on the planet. Uh, just giving me a shot in the arm. He didn't know me from Adam, you know, no, he, he know, did. He did. He, you know? he was a genius, right? Mm-hmm. So he's, he saw you. Yeah. He said to me, so your friend, I'm doing a bad impression. I shouldn't do it, but, but I, I ha- have no choice. Um, not an impression. I'm just trying to. He he said your your friend that uh, D- Dave. He, he's a he's a winged angel. He's got a light. He's got a light. And I went. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he said yes. He's. I said he's gonna be a big star. Um, and you were twenty. That was. Uh, we were there at a magical time. 
it really was magical. Not, I, not just for us, but because of the people that we got to share the stage with nightly. And that's what's you in know, Mike Binder's Comedy Store Showtime series. That's what's in there. Yeah, Leno, Letterman, and then... Letterman was an MC. Know, was, he was one of my first MCs. It, it's just crazy, the amount of people. And then you and I were there at the same time when we got to see these waves of new people come out. Larry Miller and Jimmy Brogan and Jerry and Seinfeld. they'd already and been Jim established Perry. in New York. They'd already done the work so by the time they came out after just two or three years of doing it or maybe four or five i don't know some started at 17 but they were seasoned already so when the new yorkers came out here or san francisco robin had been in san francisco a long time i was going to talk about jeremy kramer from san francisco who would dana carvey dana carvey i love him so much Dana and bob goldthwaite bobcat yeah um there was a whole i was in michael pritchard yeah. Um, you know, there was that whole San Francisco scene, and then you had the guys in Chicago um, when we first started out. And that was Tom Dreesen. You know, mm-hmm. And, and um, um, uh, Tim from Barney Miller. Um, I, what's his name? He was on Barney Miller. Um, he was actually Dreesen's partner for a while. Oh, right, right, right. Uh Yeah. He's such a, I can he's see such a good, good comedian, such yeah. a good guy. Yeah. But the people we got to share that stage with nightly, and, and you know what? It, it helped us because you couldn't, you couldn't follow Seinfeld or Robin Williams or Gary Shandling or Howie. You couldn't, you had to be great after them. Yeah, you, you had to go up and just kind of lay off. You had to throw your soft your your fastball. You had to aim for all fences. Pitch. Yeah. Yep. And it and it made us stronger. It made us, you know, and I was a kid. I had braces on my teeth, you know. I never very, looked at your mouth. How do you like that? It was a, <laughs> That's that, not what that, you said. Now, well, I never looked at it. <laughs> Who wants to look at it while we're doing that? <laughs> so, oh, that wasn't me. That was a motorcycle going by. I, um, I didn't hear it, but so, I, if you shit your pants, I wouldn't okay. care. I wouldn't either. Well, you know, yeah. when you think about that and then how we, I mean, I was there hosting and I continued for a long time trying to get a show um, and had did the Richard Pryor movie, Critical Condition. That was one of my first breaks after Rodney Dangerfield's Young Comedian special. And then... Uh, what's amazing, well, I want to share with people, some people don't know this, but we've talked about it before, is that I got to be in that movie with Richard and got to be friends with him from the comedy store and then even more so from that film. But then Richard didn't want to do the looping, the ADR, for television. And people don't know that you... (laughs) It's so weird because the punch-ups on the script were our friend Chris Thompson's, who we lost last year. Uh, really tragic and sad that he's gone. And I have a lot of unrequited relationships, that one. and Yeah. Chris was, I always explain, Chris, he was wonderfully insane. He just didn't take care of himself. and um, No. Yeah. We had a, he didn't he have had, an off switch. He, did, he really didn't have an off switch, you know. Well, it's, it's, it's people in pain. Um, and people turn to drugs and alcohol when they're in pain, and I think I did. I went to uh, Pleasure Island with him. You know, I never went to college. I lived at home. 
in the apartment that you stayed in with Chris Thompson at my parents' apartment. <laughs> and uh, the night before I was to get married at 26 years old, you guys, we went to some bar, and then my bachelor party, you guys got out of the backseat of my car, and I didn't know, but your pants were down, both of you, with your uh, dicks out, and you walked into my parents' apartment building in the elevator, and I was scolding you both like a school marm. What's wrong with you? My parents, they're going to wake up. And then we went into my, the house, and then your pants were still down in my parents' apartment by the train tracks, and you pulled up your pants, and then I yelled at you both, and we all went to bed separately. I think I double-locked the door that night. And then the next morning, my dad said... There was a disruption at the apartment complex. Uh, apparently, last night, two guys came in with their pants down. <laughs> did you tell him? How did he know that? I, I don't know. I, I don't did know. Did Chris how tell him? I don't know. I, I just know that we were just trying. We were in, a, in such euphoria that you were getting married. We were drunk. We were, so, we were drunk. And if you remember, we were on a train. I think we were going from Philly into New York, weren't we? We took a train and the train stopped and we looked out the window and there was a zipper factory and there was a hand on a zipper. And we thought of all the places <laughs> the train would stop, it would be in front of a zipper factory. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but I don't. It, we laughed so hard. We laughed so hard. At this, at this giant zipper, there was a hand, it was a, and the zipper was down. It was a home. It was a giant sign. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I feel so unrequited in a couple of relationships, and one is Chris Thompson. And um, yeah, I feel like I could have done more. I uh, I feel like I wasn't the friend I wanted to be because he was mean to me, and it, he was mean because I wasn't his friend anymore because I couldn't be around but, abusive behavior. But I loved yeah. him. I still love him. And he was brilliant. He was a brilliant writer. And producer. He did shows yeah. like Action. He created Bosom Buddies. He did. He did. Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari. That was like his first and show. And I did the warm-up for that. And yes, I was. I did the warm-up because of Chris. And I met Chris because Gary Shandling said, there's a guy in the bathroom you should be friends with at the comedy store. <laughs> And I went in the bathroom, and uh, he was uh, doing cocaine uh, and um, off of the sink. And um, he'd be okay with this story. That's the only reason I'm telling it. And I said, hi, I'm Bob. He said, oh, I'm Chris. Do you want any? I went, no, I'm going to go on. And because uh, I didn't really partake uh, before I went on. And I only did it for two years straight. But um, he was... <laughs> He was my uh, Pleasure Island friend, you know, it was uh, Pinocchio going to, uh, and I never had anything, any college craziness, you know, I was a kid living at home, and we were very close with Gary, uh, very close, he was the first person I became friends with in stand-up in LA, that's my other hugely unrequited thing, which is in Judd Apatow's brilliant documentary about Gary, and you, we were very close, the three of us. You were staying on my couch we in an apartment, my little crappy apartment in Palms, which I moved out of because a guy threw a shotgun in the pool. And I woke up the <laughs> next morning, there was a shotgun <laughs> in the pool, and I heard fighting all night. And I went, I got I to leave this building. And, and George Wallace dropped a turkey on Thanksgiving one year. That's right. And I had the turkey. 
I had George on this podcast, and we talked about that. He, you fucking idiot. You put the stuff. I put the giblets in the newspaper. I cooked the turkey with all that shit in there because I knew nothing. And our <laughs> friend Gary Wagner, who I need to touch base with really bad. Have you talked to him? Not in a long time. I got to call him. I love him. I, you know, that's the problem is that we drop out of communication with people that mean a lot to us. And I'm guilty of that. Well, it's our bubbles, you know, you you, you have everything in your bubble, whether it's family or friends or life commitments, um, marriages, relationships, Divorces. You, know, and you, and you, you only have 24 hours exes. in a day. We went through and many exes yeah, together. We, you know, and, we went through and there's only together. so many hours. Yeah. <laughs> no mushrooms. Sorry. Mushrooms. <laughs> well, I want to talk, I want to talk about that story too, but. But, you know, it's just a matter of... Oh, you know what? I got to take a break. We're going to take a quick commercial. Uh, Break. I have have some sponsors. Here they come. Okay, we're back. Okay. (laughs) That was a short break, but a good one. Wow. Okay, so go about the relationships and the bubbles and... Uh, how we don't well, reach out because I'm missing Gary Wagner, to, who was living yeah, my bubble in my building too in that apartment. To, yeah, I, I well, I want to talk about your apartment too. Some of the things we saw. <laughs> so, oh, that's a different one in Hollywood. That's a different yeah. one, right? We have amazing stories that are well, really we're funny about to that tell people them. don't know about. But you know, my bubble keeps getting smaller and smaller, and you know, I've wanted to move back to Michigan for a very long time because why I is just that? Feel like- I mean, does it make you feel? But but I want you, I want you like in in showbiz on a show because I I just know how fucking funny you are, and I, I that's what I want. And but you don't really have to live here to do that, but you kind of do no. to meet with people. But right now you don't. Zoom is like the way to go. So yeah, I'm zooming uh, people. I zoomed um, Warner Brothers this week. Um, you know, uh, Amy Friedman and Adina Pitts, two wonderful ladies from Cartoon Network. And um, y- you know, uh, most of my meet. I'm with a new company, Invent TV, and they're in Burbank. And I'm here, and I produced a show uh, called Uncle Dave's Laugh Emporium. And uh, I wrote it and produced it and shot it here in Detroit. It's all on green screen. And, and so, you know, life continues and work continues. It's just a different way of working now, and yeah. a different way of meeting with people. And, um, you know, it's and, – and what I was saying earlier is my, my bubble continues to get smaller just because – But your because balls get bigger. They hang. Balls definitely get bigger, yeah. Do yeah. they ever hit the toilet water? That's everybody always says that joke. Uh, I don't have that. I don't have that problem. Yeah, mine are I, a I little compartment. Mine are like a change purse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they, jing- they Dark. jingle. Johnny Dark's act. Here, change purse. Oh, I love Johnny uh, Dark. Johnny Dark. Um, but you know, it's just you know, there's only so many hours in a day, and and our lives, are, you know, like everybody's, you you have so many things to do and such, you know, a small amount of time to do it. And and I just find my world, you know, getting smaller, you know, the people that are really important to me are important in that I, I give them as much time as I can. 
And then, you know, a lot of relationships kind of just fade, you know, and, and you realize sometimes I'll have those sober moments where I'll go, wait a second, I have to call this person. So my new rule in life is whenever I think of somebody, I call them right then. Yeah, you're completely right. You're completely right. So when we're done, I'm going to call Gary because I love him and I have, uh, but, and then it's the unrequited stuff and we were so close. I was so close with Shandling, with Gary. Um, I don't know why I'd have to say Gary, because I think Shandling, there isn't another one on the planet. Um, And I still love him a lot. And, And then I was in the middle of that thing with our manager, Brad Gray, and Gary. And I love Brad a lot. And so it was yeah. like a divorce that I was in the middle of. And I think I'd like a do over on some of the things that happened, but near the end at Chris Thompson's funeral, Gary and I connected on a, on a real level. Uh, it, I just started talking about my dick and Gary started talking about his and we just, it was like, why couldn't we have done this 10 years earlier? You know? Yeah. And it was like, well, I have a little mole on mine. And I said, yeah, I cut mine off. I just cut it off. And you know what? It didn't bother me. I didn't novocaine <laughs> it. I just, and we just, you know, don't miss a beat. Nobody smiles. We just talk about it as serious as we could. And then I said, is this your number? And he took out his iPhone and it was all cracked. It was like a 4.1 or whatever. And he was like, I said, that's not my number. What do you, you don't have a hyphen. And uh, and I I fixed his number. I called him, and I was about to go see him, and then he got really sick. Uh, so it kind of was. Life's very strange, you know. It's very very strange because I loved him. He was immensely funny, and then there was a shitstorm because of you know things that were. I don't know. I don't even want to talk about it because it is what it is. But let's talk about the fun things we did with Gary. And uh, you do impressions of Gary and you do impressions of Brad. Back in the day before all the, the you know, the wrenches got thrown in, um, it was funny as shit. We had nothing. Gary had his house on Tierra in Encino. And you were living in Westwood? I was probably living over in North Hollywood by then after Westwood. Well, first you stayed uh, at my apartment and we, then we I called lived Gary. At Crest Hill. Where? I lived at Crest Hill, which is the house behind the comedy store, which is Mitzi's house. And, and then I moved. Yeah. I moved to uh Gailey Avenue in Westwood and that's where the bum was jerking off in the alley. And you came over to look. Well, I came over too late. You said you called me and said, "Bob, yeah. there's a bum jerking off." We could we didn't have texting then. Sorry, kids, it right. didn't happen. <laughs> they called. By the way, people are on this podcast thinking they're going to hear Joey and Danny. <laughs> well, we had a long life before Joey and Danny. So we're watching a bum jerk off. So you you called me and said a bum is jerking off behind my apartment building and i said i'm getting in my car <laughs> we had no we had no we had no lives none we just none. lived we to go on that go to the night store. we would do the comedy store 
I would do the improv some, but mainly comedy store. And I did Westwood a lot, which was a great club. And, uh, wow. And, and, and when I got to your house, it was kind of like the eight by 10 that didn't have crap on it. It was like, ah, you went, ah, he's gone. I'm like, fuck. You know, it was like serious. I was legitimate. You were upset. (laughs) Yeah. You were upset. I understand. I was 23. I don't know. (laughs) My nephew, Adam called me. He was living in an apartment building off of uh, sunset and he called me up and he said, this was about, I guess about eight years ago, 10 years ago. And he said, there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a homeless guy jerking off on the bench in front of my building. And I said, well, you got to take a picture or something. He went, no, but I watched him for a while. I said, what? <laughs> said, what do you mean? You watched him for a while. Why did you watch him? And then he described to me what he was doing. And I said, Adam, maybe you should, uh, you know, think about where your feelings are, you know. <laughs> but uh, he is a womanizer. Well, and speaking of the life that you and I had way before Danny and Joey, you and I did mushrooms. <laughs> you remember that? No, yeah, I do. And I did mushrooms. I didn't know what and- they were. And we took them, and then I got in the car <laughs> to drive us to the well, beach. And you said, hey, Dave, you want to do mushrooms with me? And I said, sure, Bob. <laughs> no thought. Just, yeah, that's, I'll let's, be with let's Bob. Let's get in the car. Because you and put them on a pizza. Your, we drove in your Toyota Celica, your red Toyota Celica, down to Santa Monica Beach. And I remember we, we came over the hill near the ocean on was it pico i think we were on pico wherever was it, it was lake? the sky would turn to orange we Not came from over fire. the hill we saw the ocean and it hit both of us and i remember looking over at you we both started laughing uncontrollably and i said and, and i said i remember saying i shouldn't have driven <laughs> this was a <laughs> This was a mistake. I didn't know. Oh, my God. Dave, help me. I've got to park this car. So people shouldn't yeah. do this. You do not take no. a drug and then get in a car. You you should yeah. be in this bubble wrap. This would have been 19, was it 83? I think it was 1812. It was 1812. Yeah, it was. It might have been 1980 or 81. It was, it was early. 81. Yeah, we were, yeah, I was young, young to do something that yeah. stupid. And so we, uh, we were two idiots and on mushrooms, and we went and we sat on the beach <laughs> for about nine hours with no sunblock on, <laughs> and I had bubbles on my back the next day <laughs> because I was so cooked. And I remember we wanted to call Mitzi Shore and tell her how much we loved her. Because she was doing so much for us. Yeah. And she was. She was at <laughs> that time. She was she was. Yeah. That was before she told me I wasn't funny anymore in Vegas. And she told me I wasn't funny in Vegas, too. She called my room. And when I look at uh, it. At, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. At four in the morning, she called my room. And and Tom Wilson and Finus Henderson opened. And I headlined. And they, they added a show. So no one knew to come to the show. So Mitzi was there in the back of the room with uh, Alan Stevens and Mitchell Walters and whoever else was in her Pick a card. and uh 
Tricorder. And they, they sat back there and watched my set. And, and all three of us bombed because there was no one in the audience. And then Mitzi called me at like four in the morning. I'm sending you home. You don't have it anymore. And I said, oh, okay. So uh, that's fine. And that was the last time I ever played at the comedy store. Yeah. I, I heard it from her. Show. Go ahead. I did the Tonight Show the following Thursday with Johnny Carson. Right. And I thought, well, you know, I guess I guess I have to leave this place and go on to other things because if she doesn't think I'm funny, uh, I'm not going to get spots. So I'll go on the road. And then I, I went on, that was 1984. And I hosted a series on Nickelodeon called Out of Control. And it was great. And you were great in it. Oh, th- you know, I look back at, at it now. They, the people from Nickelodeon sent, they found me, the, uh, they sent me DVDs of the entire series. And I look at it. I was a little kid. Yeah. I was a little kid. As Robin like, said, thinking, you were a winged angel. I don't know what I was. But, but you man, had the sting haircut. I did. Yeah, I had the hockey haircut. And, um, you know, and I went on the road. Then I just, I really just focused on doing stand-up. Yeah, we were all, tour- you and I were both on the road all the time. All the time. Yeah. I mean. And we would follow each other in the clubs, and Bob was here last week, and he did two and and a half hours. I was insane. Rich uh, Scheidner would do two hours. I did two hours and 45 minutes in Pittsburgh. I'm like, really? Well, I'm going to do three hours. And I, what, that's a comedian. I mean, is you know, and then you heard about, you know, Dane Cook and Dave Chappelle in the past 10 years where, you know, Dave, I mean, Dane was competing to do more time. Who could do the world's record of the most stand-up? And then Chappelle was seven hours or something. Um, <laughs> it's pretty amazing what a stand-up, if you take it to that level. And I think we did go to that level when we started. I needed to bore a hole into stand-up. And it was a, a release for me. I didn't have therapy. I was out of my <laughs> mind. I was neurotic as fuck. And... I got a release. I was just talking to Howie Mandel about it on some this morning for Just for Laughs about about mental health and about stand up and how we do comedy and why we do it. And he said nothing gets you in the moment more than that, you know, than than a live performance. Obviously, yeah, we're working in any kind of performance or anything that requires your first responder, you know, your alertness. But that's what draws people to these fields is, one, they care about people, uh, not necessarily comedians, but people that really mean a lot. Not that comedians don't, but doctors, nurses, right now in our lives, you know, first responders, uh, you know, police officers, uh, the firefighters, all these unsung heroes, they, they live in that adrenaline moment and they get so much back, but they're risking their lives. We didn't risk our lives except with hecklers. But uh, <laughs> but now we would risk our lives going back once it's safe to perform again. The world is so angry in so many ways. I'm hoping that we get through this yeah. time where they're not angry, where you get to go entertain people and you don't have to go, oh God, waiting for security to have to, stop a real problem and i was before before covid happened i was performing and i had some people start beating each other up in the audience because people were already 
at each other. The the pressure cooker was already happening. You know, yeah. Two three years ago, I it's, I felt it. You know, and and it dealt with politics, and it dealt with money, and it dealt with just what was happening, and 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 it racism and anger and all this stuff was just happening. So I was that's trying to diffuse why, it. Yeah. God, I've got so many thoughts in my head. Let's take one more break because I've got like 20 things I want to talk to you about. And we both are probably going, well, how long is this going to go? Well, it's going to go longer. You're okay. You don't have to go to the thing yet, right? You got a little time? I'm good. Yeah, I've got, I, I moved our time, so we're good. Okay, we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Um, that was the last break we have to take. We could talk as long as you say. So, um, how's your penis? Is it changed? It's it's really happy. There's really a smile. The holes a smile. Say, you always used to say my little piece bit is my little piece slit is a smile. But it depends on how you what angle you're looking at it because that could if be you a turn frown it upside down. Turn it upside I always down. said in my stand-up, you turn that frown upside down because that's my stand-up. Yeah. That's my that's my comedy, and I would call it a piece lit. And then I said, uh, "It's a, you're actually called a urethra because people don't know that." And then uh, I said, "Who's also one of my favorite singers? Makes you rest in peace." And then everybody moans <laughs> and gets sad. And I said, "Yeah." And then I sing respect um, for a moment or two, and because I truly did worship her, and it's horrible that I mentioned her in that context, which is kind of what our uh, friendship was based on, was saying the worst thing you could say. How do you get through stuff? How do we get through? Yeah, and, and for us, you know, that was our, our way of getting through losing sisters and family members, and it was gallows humor for sure. Uh, it was always the elephant in the room, but you and I would hey, say Hey, that's it. the way to talk about my mom. And... Uh, <laughs> We knew that the people we were talking about would laugh at what we were saying. Yeah, I'm I'm very careful about that. That I yeah, I always say, you know, my sister Sharon, uh, a week before she died, always said, um, and she loved you. She thought you were so funny. I loved my her sister too. Sharon, my sister Sharon was one of the funniest people I've ever known, and um, she would say to me the week before she passed away, she said, Dave, mom is just coming in here with her rosary and dad's throwing holy water on me. They're nuts. She goes, can you just make jokes about me after I'm dead? And I said, yeah, what do you want me to say? She goes, just tell people I'm taking a dirt nap or, you know, I don't, I don't look very good now. She goes, just, you know, she goes, you can do that little song, a tisket, a tasket, Sharon's in a casket. And I said, okay, sure, I'll, I'll do that. So I always, when I'm making jokes about my sister, people always think, oh, how could you do that? I said, look, this is at the request of my sister. She wanted me to joke about her being dead. So yeah, that you know, was, that's some an people easy... it's hard to understand. Yeah. But for us, we always, we always did that because it just, it's our way of dealing with pain. It's how my dad dealt with it. It's, I mean, I, you know, at the when you're Jewish, you have a shiva. When you're not, you can have a wake or many other ceremonies, depending on your faith and belief. Some people have none. 
Is he, you're dead. You're going to shiver. <laughs> That's cold. It's very cold at a shiver. Yeah. Um, but were you were you at any of my sister's shivers? I was at Gay's. I was at Gay's. Gay had scleroderma, and Andy died at 34 of a brain aneurysm and had mental health issues, and she was... Do you remember what you said to me at Gay's funeral? No. I I went there... And you came and got me. Were you a pallbearer? And I, um, I think you were. Were me and Chris pallbearers? Yeah, I think I me think and Chris you, I were. I think you were. Me and Chris Thompson. Um, Gary? Went, was it Wags? And we, Wags or Shandling? I think they both were. But we were yeah, you all we, were. Yeah, we were, we were pallbearers. And, and so, um, you came and got me. I was I was sitting in the synagogue, and you came and got me, and you said, "Hey, come here. You want to see a dead body?" <laughs> and I said, "Sure, Bob. Okay." And you took me back, and you showed me gay. He goes, and you you whispered in my ear, "She looks like shit." <laughs> yeah, they don't always do them right. <laughs> well, I spent a lot of time in funeral parlors, right? So. <laughs> When my mom passed a few years ago, my mom, Dolly. So I walk in first before my kids who wanted to see her. And I wish, sometimes I wish they hadn't because she's the matriarch of the family. And um, and the same thing happened for my nephew and, um, and my ex-wife, Sherry. And I mean, it was... You know, it's a big monumental thing when you lose someone like that. But then I click into this overdrive of weirdness because it's my defense and it protects me. And it also allows me to go, okay, because she, my mom, when you and Stamos, I'm saying that to make people understand quicker, but when you and John came to her hospital room when she was in hospice at St. John's, which was... She went, get me a nice sweet, Bobby. Would you like a cappuccino, Dave? It's like, no, I just want to say goodbye to you. <laughs> and then she was so excited you guys were coming. You know, men, you know. And she put makeup did I on. Come with, did I come with John? Yes. And you were already there? Yes. Yeah. She was so excited. She put makeup on. I said, they're not going to sleep with you, Mom. They're just going to, you know. <laughs> but if you recall... She was, and I just talked to Howie about this, she was angelic. She was so at peace with... Do you remember what I said? Please. Oh, yes, yes. John and I walked in, and your mom was there. She had her hands like this folded, and you were there. And she did and have she a halo a around her. She really did. It was in it the was picture. It was amazing. It was real. Well, she had this glowing expression on her face and i don't know if she was just that happy that me and john were coming to see she her. was and, and she was totally and, at peace david she was never like that her whole life she had such a hard life and and you could feel it when you walked into her room and so i walked in and we both me and john both and we gave her a kiss on the cheek and she hugged both of us and i stood back and i go my gosh, Dolly, you look like an angel. And she goes, not yet. <laughs> she was so clear. Talk about clarity. Yeah, she was so at peace. And she, which well, was she lost four 
children in her life. Because there were twins before I was born that the hospital killed. They killed 14 babies or something with dysentery and didn't tell the parents. You know how people keep medical secrets? Do you have their number? <laughs> they closed. They closed the hospital because all the people sued. My parents didn't sue. Um, and it was, and the boy was named Robert and born exactly to the day two years before me. So you're special, Bobby. My, I would hear that a lot. I was like, one time she said to me, um, Bobby, you're so amazing. You can do anything. I said, Mom, please, I'm not Jesus. She went, no, you're better than Jesus. <laughs> I went, oh, Mom, no, no. And then, you know, Johnny Dare in Kansas City? Of course. He's a yeah, sweetheart. I, I we love him. Yeah. He's a very yeah. well-known radio man there and a dear friend. And I told that story on the air, and uh, you know, a huge amount of his audience are, are Christian, good, God-fearing people. And I told that story, and every time I talked to him, anytime I was in studio with him, which I always do when I go to Kansas City, um, he would always have people call up, and all the sweet ladies call and go, "Oh, Bob, you're better than Jesus." <laughs> and it just is so. It just brings my mom back you know in that way that yeah it's the uh jewish mother complex the whole oedipus thing that happens where she just uh your parents also were so encouraging and my parents were too that's what i was gonna say you know your dad with all of my, his stuff was so proud of you your mom was so proud of you my mom way more than my dad my dad couldn't understand it and here's the funny story about my dad. My dad worked at Chrysler his whole life. He was very blue collar, but it always amazed all of us looking back at, at our lives in retrospect. He put all four of us kids through private schools. I played travel hockey almost my whole life, which was expensive. And I remember my dad, we had a party one year because my dad made $21,000. Oh, and that my. was in the that was in the sixties, and twenty one thousand dollars in you know where where I grew up, my dad really thought he made it, and I don't know how he put four kids through private schools. Yeah, um, we always had food on the table. We always had clothes. I was playing travel hockey, which was it's expensive, and so but I always had new skates and sticks and gloves and helmets and. You know, it's it's not a cheap sport. It's it's an expensive sport. But I look I look back at my dad, and he was so blue collar. And then he couldn't understand what I was doing in L.A. And then the first he were taking mushrooms with me on the beach <laughs> and watching bums jerk off <laughs> and dropping turkeys on Thanksgiving with giblets <laughs> stuck inside the paper. So he couldn't understand it. And then I did the Tonight Show. And then he understood. He was like, wow. And then I didn't hear from him. I didn't hear any reaction, no call, nothing oh. for a couple of days. And I, because he couldn't process it. He couldn't, but everybody called him, all my aunts and my uncles. And they said, oh, we saw Dave on the Tonight Show last night. And he, I didn't know how proud he was. But then I finally called him and I said, how you doing, dad? I'm good. What's up? I said, well, what did you think about what? I said, the tonight show, what did you do? Oh yeah, yeah. I saw it. And I just, I had to like pull everything out of him. You know, mm. he goes, well, when, 
when do you go? Are you going back next week or how does that work? <laughs> I said, no, I don't go there and punch the clock and go, hi, Johnny, I'm back ready for work. <laughs> he goes, well, did they invite you back? And I go, well, you know, uh, maybe they will. He goes, did you smart off? Did you say something stupid? <laughs> Were you sassy? <laughs> I said, no, no. He goes, well, you can sometimes, you know, you, you think that comedy stuff is, so funny and you know maybe they didn't think you were that funny and i go well dad i'll, I'll see but he couldn't that's he couldn't his life understand. that's his life experience that's how yeah, all they can do understand. is put that into yeah but your mom got it oh my mom saved every little from local newspaper clippings to, my mom had a file know, a file the, on you uh, I found it. Really? She had a file on clippings <laughs> from the beginning, from the very wow. beginning. She had files on I Gary. She had files on Gary, on Brad, on you. Um, wow. She had files I never knew where that. she kept all the clippings of the people that were my brothers that she was proud of. I never, I never knew that. And then um, my mom was so proud when I was on the cover of TV Guide. Because right. she got to go to the supermarket and she just would stand there in the line like extra amounts of time and go, that's my son. And, and she was so proud of that because there it was, you know, it was, it was all encapsulating in her life where she could go to the supermarket or the drugstore and see me with Mary Kate and Ashley on the cover. Right. TV guide. And that was a big, I have a copy of that here. I have you, a copy in my closet. You, my mother had two. And then you, I was on it twice. My mother had those covers on her wall framed. I'm like, I have them yeah. here after she passed. Like, but I'm not hanging them up. Some people would put them in their office. I can't. Yeah. There's no, there's very few pictures of me in this I, house. Yeah, I don't have anything up. The only thing I have is the woodchuck puppet. That means something. <laughs> I hate that fucking to me, that yeah. fucking woodchuck. Yeah. <laughs> is your dick made but, of wood yeah. <laughs> right certainly oh. uh, but my dad you know my parents were proud in their own way they just you know they they um, expressed it differently then I found out my dad was like the mayor every restaurant he would go to he would bring my 8 by 10s and then oh, he would my. promise the wait staff a picture from me here locally in St. Clair Shores Michigan and then uh, I'd come home and he'd go, here, sign it, Dave Coulier. And I would always go, well, what else am I going to sign it, Dad? I have one more question I have to ask you, and, and I'll let you go because I know you have things to do, and I'm going to call Gary, and then I think I have to urinate. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, you can go. I mean, if you do it. No, during, I've got a catheter. I do, I don't, it's oh, not, okay, it's not a real one. I made it myself. Oh. I went to catheter school my whole life. You did. You wore those little skirts. Um, yeah. St. Peon. Those outfits. They're hot. Um, <laughs> was there any moment during Full House or not Fuller House because we all just kind of showed up and did what we did there. And it was good to see everybody when we did. And you directed some really, you did a great job. You're a great director. Um Thanks. But were there any times, because you know me, I was a little nuts, and I would, I would get a script, and I'd go, oh, God, I'm, I'm not doing anything, or I'm, I'm just, I'm not funny, I'm not, you know, and I didn't understand, you know, that the tree had opened up, and it's, it's going to last, because I was getting 
ridiculed so much, you know, because the show didn't get rave reviews. And I was the guy that was all squeaky clean and nice and hugging people and people were making fun of me. Uh, and yet I was on this show that we were on that was top 10 show that was this huge sensation that'll never go away until the earth's destroyed, which is soon. But um, <laughs> but were you ever frustrated playing Joey? Because you seem to be the... And John would go, got to fix this. This has to be right. You know, Jesse wouldn't do this. And I'd be going, I, Danny's the father. Why, why does he have the baby? You know, I would be doing that and I would try to go into character. But you, I never really heard you ever disgruntled because actors complain whether they're working or not working. <laughs> you know. It was such a gift. The, the way I felt about Full House was that it was such an amazing gift to have this giant toy box to go to every week <laughs> with props and you could, um, you know, and the writers were very generous with me, you know, sometimes in the script it would say, you know, Dave will come up with something here. And so they always wanted me to add a weird voice or they let me come up with cut it out and they put that I'm in. I'm not familiar with that. I'm not, yeah. what, what is that? <laughs> I, I did that. I did that in a run through and they said, what was that weird little hand thing you did? And I said, I, I stole it from Mark Sandrowski and I always told Mark I was going to steal that and use it for something. He should get so Mark some always tells me, money on the meme. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so for me, it was this incredible gift and I thought of it like it was comedy college. I thought, wow, they're going to pay me to learn how to be a funny person on camera. And I have this incredible world of resources where if I wanted a prop, if I wanted a woodchuck, I could go and build a woodchuck. If I created something, you know, whether it was a character or a voice or the silly mannequin in the alcove, I could do it. And, and so it was this wonderful freedom to be able to have on television. And so for me, I just thought, well, I'm going to come into the scene. I'm going to do something hilarious and exit. And so my job was very clear cut in my head. It was like, go in, be funny and get out. Well, you know, you know, as part of the cast, and we've all stayed close, all of us. And yeah, uh, and there's there's true love there. And sometimes you don't talk to each other as much, and then other times we do. And there's a text trail you wake up to some morning, and uh, <laughs> end up singing for a dog video. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but you you're kind of the glue to me in a way, in that you're sticky and you won't come off my mouth. But uh, no, what I'm saying is. You you really did bring joy to that set. And when stuff was going on, when you were on a show like that, and it's a giant cast, you were kind of a bridge between the kids and John and myself. And you really were kind of the thing that started the love, you know? And then about four years in, I started to realize, and John always knew that it was there, um... But I think as we did the show longer, I, I felt more and more real love for everybody. 
and there was something that you started. You were kind of, to me, the person that made it a joyful place. And here I was being able to be with you on a show that I got cast in after you'd already done the pilot. And that was really strange that here I yeah. was being put in a show that you were already cast in. So it's some things are bigger than we understand, I think. Bob, you'd kill yourself if I wasn't here. You did say that to me a lot. <laughs> One time I spit gum in your hair. I'm sorry about that. Yes, you did. Why did and I do that? I, I had to cut it out. <laughs> and I did. I took scissors and I cut it out of your hair. And you were so mad. You were so mad at me. Well, you spit gum in my hair. Well, now yeah. it's dangerous. Who does that? Well, droplets. Who does that? Well, I did it. Who does that? I'm sure it's been a done before. Man. I'm sure there's some people that do that. Hockey players must do stuff like that. Uh, I, I've i never seen it, but <laughs> I know that you did it. You just kept saying, sure. I think about 40 times, you spit gum in my hair. I, it was incredulous. Well, but you would yeah. fart in your hand and cup it and then put it into our face. So what's Who so different? Doesn't? Nobody. No one's ever done that? No. You've never done that? No one's cupped a fart, Dave. You've never farted in your hand? No, I'm not Phil. That eats, I don't eat poop, Dave. <laughs> that was a good one. I'd rate that a seven. Everybody cups farts yeah. at some point. When you would fart sometimes, I'd go, so that was roast beef you had for lunch? I would do that. That was my... And then I would say, Bob, your sense of smell is uncanny. You did. You did. Yes. After you literally shat your pants. Yeah. I should have been named William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I love you so much. I love you too. And I hope someone watches this. Or it's, a, it's mainly a listening. Where... <laughs> it's mainly a listening medium, but it is on the YouTube um, page. But it's it's also uh, all you know. It's mainly you know all the all the uh, places you get your podcasts. So people will hear this. They'll be driving in their car and say, "Oh, I'm going to listen to Danny and Joey," and then it's going to be about shit and farts and do I, yeah. Do I need? I guess do we do I need to apologize for anything? Nope. Nope, I'll do that up front. Okay, good. <laughs> I'll tell people that this isn't going to be uh, Danny and Joey. <laughs> this is Bob and Dave being very candid and honest with each other. Which has to do with cupping farts yeah. and dealing with death. And bums. And bums. And you can't say bums, you have to say homeless guy. No, I think bums is better because it takes us back to the <laughs> 60s. You know, <laughs> homeless makes you sad. Um because we have to yeah. do something about that. Yeah. But bums, you know, that's okay. Because that's from the yeah. 50s. <laughs> oh, God in heaven. Well, I love you so much. I love you. I miss you. I, I know. I, get, I don't yeah. know when I'm going to see you. You know, well, we'll see. I don't want to get on a plane. No. Unless I'm flying it. How, have you been flying lately? I sold my airplane. Uh, I'm looking for another one. So I want something bigger, higher, and goes faster. Who doesn't? Yeah. Well, just be safe. I, I need you to be safe in those planes because I was in a plane with you once and uh, the landing gear wouldn't go down in the Bonanza. And, yep. you, and I was talking so much into the microphone, you said to the tower, I've got a very chatty uh, passenger. And, Bob, you have to stop talking. And you were so... 
not Dave. I didn't know who it was. It was a guy talking numbers and 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 we got a problem with the landing gear. So hey, Bob, would you mind reaching back there and turning that crank? And I'm like, what? What is this? The wrong? It's the wrong brothers. So I cranked yeah. the wheels down, and I was thinking, you're gonna die, Bob. You're dead. We're gonna die. And you landed it perfectly. Well, I I love aviation. I've flown jets. I've been in F-18s. I and your son's a I, I big flying. old pilot. Is he able to fly now, or is it just kind of quiet? Oh, no, he's my flun. My son is a my flun. My son is a uh, <laughs> my flun is ready. Uh, yes, my flun is is cooking at the moment. But uh, my son Luke is uh, is a pilot for FedEx, so he's flying all over the planet. They said, Dad, it's great. The boxes don't drink. So, uh, <laughs> but he loves, he's flying 767s. Wow. And uh, he's based out of Memphis. He's getting married in May. Uh, That's fantastic. You're a great girl who's a nurse. And um, he's a great kid. I did something right. You did. Uh, You're a great dad to him. Job. You really are. Yeah. I've known him since yeah. he was born. He does everything I did. You know, he's a pilot and he plays hockey. Like He three, does four not days do everything you did. People just listen to this. <laughs> he does not do everything that they just listened to for two hours. <laughs> I love you, Dave. Um, I love you too. And um, give your wife, Kelly, a big hug from us. I will. Miss you guys. So Miss you too. We'll see each other. Thanks for... Uh, Thanks for having me here. Oh, this is fun. God in heaven, please. I'm, I'm so happy you were here. I'm so happy to talk to you. I'm like your 70th guest, right? No. Am I like 50-something. 50-something. Yeah, but John was on, but it was just audio. This is where you get the the Zoom. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah, you get the facial expression. I didn't start. I was mainly audio in the beginning because I was, you know, Back in the early days of Zoom, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I just wanted to do a podcast, and um, I, I love the company I do it with, Studio Seventy One, and and people seem to like it, and I, I love doing it. So, I love you. Let's talk soon. I love you too. Let's talk yeah. really soon. Okay. Okay, because this was exhausting. I know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> just cup of fart. Real. Oh, blow one hand fart. As you leave. I can do a real one. Ready? That wasn't real. Dave, was that a real fart? Dave, it sounded like a wet balloon with meatloaf in it. Dave, that was a real fart? You're an animal. That was, Dave, you shit yourself. I'm listening to it. That was wet meatloaf in a baggie. Dave, you got to go wipe. You got to go. Do you have a toilet that squirts water? You got to go on a bidet. Dave, I can't believe I can't believe you did that. You asked. I'm gonna do a new Stop. intro and say that if you listen carefully, you're gonna hear Dave shit his pants. You have to listen all the way to the end. Okay, Dave, just sign off. You've got to go wipe. All right. All right. I love you. Have a good wiping. All right. Thank oh you. my god. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, one of my best friends in my whole life, Dave Coulier, uh, who ended by actually shitting his pants. I don't know what to say to you. 
I don't know how to explain it. It's real. It happened. It's a first, I think, for any podcast. I'm sure it's not. Um, I'm sure uh, Drunk History uh, has had that many times happen. I really love that guy, and uh, I miss him. We miss a lot of people right now, don't we? Yeah. So that's the key to me is connecting, connecting with people that you love and calling people you haven't talked to or Zooming with them or FaceTiming or whatever you can. Hopefully they won't crap their pants while you're talking to them. Uh, do what you do with this podcast, you know, subscribe or follow and uh, rate, review, you know, those things. Positive, though. Go positive. Come on. I can't take the negative anymore. And uh, I'll be calling you guys sometimes, and you can leave a message at that number that's listed up there in the podcast thing, and I'll uh, announce it on uh, Twitter or on Instagram stories or Facebook that I'll be calling you guys. So I'm sending you all my best, and uh, I'll talk to you on the next uh, next episode of Bob Saget's here for you. I'm not going to crap. <laughs>